Welcome to the Wellness for Educators podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Kennedy. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. It is number three of four episodes with Alejandra Ramos Gomez, who also serves as a board member for Wellness for Educators. Thank you so much, Alejandra, for joining us again today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to talk a little bit more about the different theme in the book Imperfecta and just talk about how this this connects to to my work. So today we're going to be focused on the topic of immigration and Alejandra's book Imperfecta, um, which you can order online and, and Alejandra will share that. Um, with you at the end, but I would love to hear um, why you spoke to immigration through your poetry um, in your book. Yes, so um, immigration is, I would think, a a complicated uh, topic, but one that, like in my case, I can't ignore because it's so so much part of of my everyday life and, and who I am and a lot of interactions that I have. So in a way that this, this like theme in the, in the book, it is very straightforward about like my thoughts, little, little things that I've experienced with, you know, just like little interactions and just what it, what it means to be an immigrant. But there are also poems more related to hope because and, and I talk about it in poetry and, and writing. Many times I spend too much time in the resistance of the assimilation uh, that I, I feel like I, I lost a lot of time and, and many opportunities to maybe learn other things, trying to resist. So a lot of those poems come, let's say, from a place of resistance and action, but other ones come more from affirmation and understanding that this is our reality. And, and just also looking at all the good things that come from being an immigrant as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I know that you have chosen a couple of your poems um, that you wanted to share. Um, So if you would like to go ahead and read them, that would be awesome. Yes, of course. This first poem is bilingual. And this poem, I wrote it thinking about just my experience arriving in Dallas and becoming an educator in the United States. And this is Dallas Sueña. Somos una comunidad. I arrived in Dallas to become a teacher, but the teacher became the student. Where languages were considered obstacles, our mother tongues have become a powerful tool. Somos una comunidad de colores e ilusión. Bilingual, biliterate, bicultural, our heritage feeds our souls. Dallas dreams oportunidad y conexión, underserved populations searching for representation, poems written by fourth graders who feel more than we could ever think, poems expressing a search for identity and dreams, identidad, representación, lucha. We may speak different languages, but dreams do not require translation. Ten-year-old students writing stories about equity and being unique, stories made up of voices that were never heard before. I grew up on the border. Like many of my students, I belong here and there. Our stories are unique in our own truth. Words have become extensions of our souls. Teachers, students, newcomers, speaking a language during the school day, 
coming back home to speak our mother tongue, a language of love. Somos una comunidad, bilingual, biliterate, bicultural. Our heritage feeds our souls. Dallas dreams, Dallas sueña. Um, yeah, so that poem came a lot from, from love and from just my experience becoming an educator here and learning from my students. The second poem that I'm going to read, I didn't, I wrote it more in a moment of oh, just, just trying to, to feel and expressing and, and letting go of things through writing, um, through like mindful, mindful writing, mindful journaling. And this was just uh, immigrants. They keep us away. We keep working for them. They want to be us. We keep entertaining them. They pretend to solidarize. We keep smiling at them. As if your sudden wokeness could heal the trauma we face, as if your inv invitation to diversify would compensate for the, all the time we have been underrepresented. They hire us to check a box. We help them stay comfortable. They pretend to speak our language. We smile to reaffirm their efforts. They asked us to change the way we speak. We adapt because we understand how it feels to live in fear. Not anymore. Yeah, that's that poem. That is wicked powerful. Um, thank you so much for sharing both of these. I wanna I wanna go to Dallas Swenya first and talk about representation because I know in the last conversation we had, that was one of the reasons why you had written um, the book in the first place was so that you would have wanted this book when you were growing up to have read it, right? To see yourself in the author, that representation was really important for you. Um, and you wanted the same for young women, um, young girls to be able to read this book and feel like they're not alone, to feel that they're connected, to feel that they're represented and that they can share their own stories, right? And so I, um, I'm hearing that in this poem as well and would love for you to speak in your role as an educator, how important that representation was for you as a student, but then also for you as an educator in your experience. Oh, yes, I think having that representation and for the students was vital for creating trust. I felt very disconnected at first, maybe when I arrived, but then I also realized that a lot of my students had also arrived not too long ago. Uh, so in that way, I feel like we were going through the same process in a different way, in a different stage of our lives. Uh, but for many of them, they've, they maybe it was the first time that they saw someone who went through that process that was in a more of a leadership position, uh, you know, in their perspective and in, the, in their world. And I noticed later on how important that was so when, when girls uh, would say, I want to be a teacher or I want to be a bilingual teacher because they're, because I want students to, you know, learn their language or little things like that, that I recognize, wow, there's, you know, there, there is an impact, they're learning something. So for me, that was really important. But I think it was also important to be open about what I know and what I don't know. Um, because I know that happens a lot as educators, many times when we are, you know, educators, of people of color as well, or um, maybe, you know, underrepresented communities, and you become kind of uh, like the, the spoke person for it as an educator. And that can bring a lot of 
distress to the educator and also to the student, I feel, because it, in, in my opinion, it would give students the, the perception or the idea that there's only that perspective, but there's so much more. So I would always make sure that I would tell my students, this is, you know, based on my experience or based on this book. Now let's read another book and see this different experience. Or uh, so in a way it was talking, in, in my opinion, it was talking about intersectionality, but in a very like age appropriate way of them seeing that depending on where you come from, you know, and what you experience in your everyday life, even though you might look the same or sound the same, what you experience is going to be very different. Uh, so that for me, that was like the main goal for me in representation. And, and yes, of course, like through literature, I think that was like the best way, uh, like reading books from different places and also making sure that they're like high quality, good content. Like in Spanish, it was easier for me because I go back home or I go to Mexico and I buy it. Uh, but I would tell them like, this is, you know, this is like written in Spanish and just maybe communicate the idea that it is okay to write in your language instead of having everything translated to you. So, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I also wonder too, in, in this particular poem, expressing a search, and I know this gets into something that we talked about previously, is identity. So expressing a search for identity and dreams. And so I wonder about your thoughts on that search for identity and dreams as an immigrant. What does that mean to you? Maybe when, and, and if it has changed over time, what, what does that look like? Yes, there has been a lot of change, definitely on thinking about that. I think in a way, my experience as an immigrant was different in a way that I came when I was an adult already. Uh, maybe I wasn't, I was a very young adult, but I had, um, I had my experiences, you know, even being social back home, uh, studying for college, uh, having my first work experience, everything back home. So when I, when I came here, I think I had a very defined identity of who I was and, you know, where I came from and, and, and the style of how I worked. So I didn't struggle so much maybe with, with understanding who I was or, you know, more, maybe more than not like people that maybe grew up here, but then they also have Mexican roots, but the American. So it's, so for me, it was more of just moving into a, into a new place with my set identity. But then it did have to change because I was struggling a lot with culture shock, specifically with just everyday situations and um, even like work styles that were very different to where I come from. Um, so in that way, I, I did struggle with that identity because I didn't want to, I didn't want to like just work. Uh, just like become work become my life, um, you know, because like having the American dream, like I know even as immigrants, our families back home will have this, uh, this idea of the American dream and that you have achieved it all and you have all the money in the world. And, and it's not, it's not realistic and, and we're work, working all the time. Uh, but so I, I was really trying to find that medium space between really trying to achieve my, my dreams and, and in a way, yes, um, maybe pursuing the American dream, but not being too uh, too different to who I who I was when I came here. 
now when I think of my identity, I think I think of it more in the gray area of yes, I could say I'm Mexican, you know, when they asked me because of my nationality if, and where I grew up. But I think now my identity is more based on um, like my mission and and like the art I create so more on what I create and what what is possible rather than what someone has told me of who I am. So staying away from those little boxes. I love that. I love that. And it, it's, it actually speaks to the ending of the immigrants poem, kind of breaking outside of the box and what that means for your mission in your life. It's a very deep question, but yes. Um, Whenever I think of my mission, I think of one of the of, of the spider. Um, then I think I maybe I mentioned it before that I really like spiders, and uh, they come they they appear a lot in my stories for some reason that those like spiders. And for me, spiders are very much connectors. I think one of my mission like it's create those spaces of of connection. Um, but something that I also like about the spiders and the spider webs is that they're unique. Right. And, the, and they're not maybe perfect. Uh, they're, they're just unique. They're different, but they, they work. Uh, so I, I also think about that, about the mission of creating spaces and connecting people, but in a, an authentic way um, without adding. Yeah, just letting it uh, flow. I another big part of my mission is to create more authentic, like high quality content that, you know, represents our communities. Uh, and but also opening those spaces for other people to write those stories because it's also not not only my perspective. Uh, so yes, when I when I think about staying away from from the little boxes, I always share this with students whenever you know whenever whenever I get a chance to to talk to older students, I tell them how every time you kind of like look a certain way or come from a certain place, people will assume those things that you like or who you are or who you can be. And it requires courage to stay away from that. But I think when I think about staying away from those little boxes, it does require courage, like vulnerability, but also accepting that, um, like for me, it's a, it's a lot about accepting that, that it, it's okay if staying away from those boxes doesn't have to be a big, 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 big thing. Because many times it's also that pressure of being an immigrant or being, you know, underrepresented that you, you, that you always have to overcompensate for that. So always pushing more, pushing more because you know, there's so much inequity or there's so maybe uh, not, there's not a lot of representation. So you're trying to push then it, especially as an artist, I can talk more from the perspective of, as, of an artist when that becomes the goal or the mission you you as an artist kind of get lost in the process um, because you're just trying to to maybe push that goal or show others that you can do it because you are this way but for me it's more about staying authentic but that requires that courage of that maybe not a lot of people will recognize it uh, and that's okay so yeah about authentic representation about also taking all the good things from our traditions and everything but being open to change I think that also requires courage, but I think it's needed in, in its natural, right? Change, language changes, traditions change, culture changes. So being open to that too, staying true to yourself. Yeah, I hear a lot of 
flexibility, uh, the need for flexibility and the way that you're talking about it, just, um, you know, as you, and, and also the, the fact that um, as you've been talking about each of the pieces that you've talked about today and even before, you talk a lot about the changes that you've made over time and not to say that your mission will likely evolve um, as you move forward as, and especially as an artist, that's really, we're all about change as we, as we continue to be authentic in our creative spaces. So I appreciate, I appreciate that message for sure. And I would love like to come back to the immigrants poem specifically. I feel um, that is a very powerful poem and I love that you're so you just say it and you're bold about it. And I love it when you are faced with, I've heard it called like voluntold or, you know, instead of volunteering, you're voluntold or you are asked to do so many things because of, again, like you're, you're checking a box or you're, you're making people feel comfortable. What do you say in the midst of this now, like I know this poem is in this book, but when you are faced with that type of a situation, what what do you do? How do you react? Reading the poem made me think about how when I address this, I think I actually do the opposite that when I wrote in the poem. Um, when I wrote the poem, I think I was also like in a defensive maybe state now that I was reading it. And I think when I go into those spaces, first thing I do is to try not look at, you know, and it's hard because we're, we're all very separated in those boxes, but I try to not see it as them and me, but see it more like us. Because I know if I go with that mindset, I will even find things maybe where they're not, uh, or, or because I will be looking more for that. There, there needs to be that clear boundary. And of course, you know, always having that, that respect and, and being careful with that, but coming in more with a collaboration mindset than, than being against one another helps me a lot. And it does help me also to think about maybe, you know, maybe if my first thought is that I was invited because of who I am or how I, how I look or, you know, or the boxes that I fit in. I do take a moment to think about what I do bring to the table there because, you know, an imposter syndrome, they talk about it a lot. And, and I know it's, it's talked a lot. I say it a lot, even in my like immigrant, immigrant, like communities, they talk a lot about it a lot, even with language, because when I come into a meeting and I'm speaking in my second language, and then I don't know how to say one thing, then there's this frustration for me where I think, well, if this was in my first language, I would sound smarter. I would sound more prepared. I would sound this way, that way. So it, it's also that thing. So I, I even will write down things of what am I bringing to the table? What, what is like my expertise here or that I can bring instead of, of seeing all the things that I don't have, maybe of, because I didn't grow up here or, or because I'm speaking my second language. So also thinking about that. And the third one, definitely speak up. <laughs> I, but, it, but it's hard. Uh, it's difficult. And then because there's also that difference in culture too. And then sometimes that, that is perceived as being weak. 
there's this quote by Sonia Sotomayor, you know, I, I, I really like her and there's this quote by her and it says something like, don't confuse my politeness with lack of strength. And that really speaks to me because I've heard in the past, even people saying, oh, you know, because Latinas are shy or, and, and, and I know that's like, even, uh, I know there's that like belief around that. I didn't know until that. And then, and then other friends started saying that that has happened to them too. So it is that strength of speaking up, but in a way that it's me without, you know, because then you want to change and you want to fit in. And, but even being open about it. I know that sometimes even saying that, saying my style is different of speaking, that doesn't mean that I don't want to share, but it's just different. And being open, I think that helps everyone grow. Uh, and also being aware of my own biases, I think, because uh, I definitely don't want to come into a space thinking that I am great and I have all of that figured out and everyone around me has them because it's, you know, it's not, we all have them. So being very aware of that so I can come in without that judgment and I can come in kind of with a fresh idea of how that meeting is going to look like and kind of prepared and yes, and advocating through that. I love that. The other piece that I wanted to kind of come back to is because you say it really succinctly, I think, towards the end of this, where it's like, we smile to reaffirm their efforts. And it's just, you know, going back to the the quote that you just mentioned from Sonia Sotomayor, it's just like having to kind of like push yourself, you know, it's, it's, it's that not authentic space that you have to put yourself into, um, into kind of like, again, that box that you were mentioning, it's like, putting yourself into a box so that you can appease everything around you and not make waves and not um, kind of go against, you know, I feel like there's that, there's still that boundary setting that needs to happen. And, and also the, the power within, you know, coming out and saying like, I'm not okay with this, like, this is not okay and um, really standing up for yourself. So I, I really, I know that you, you said that you wrote that at a time when you were <laughs> wanting to be defensive, but honestly, I feel like I, I felt that one when I read it initially. And then hearing you actually recite it was just even more so, um, more so just, again, just very, very um, powerful, very powerful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's um, I think we it's maybe like waves, uh, I think also like immigration experience, you'll have very good days, very good times and then difficult times and just, you know, also being away from family and what you know, it's hard. But thinking of all the opportunities that I have as an immigrant, uh, that is also something that I don't like to ignore. Um, because then we can focus a lot on all the, you know, the bad things or all those difficult situations. But as an immigrant, there's so much that I've been able to just to do and in, in little in dreams and and the arts in in a way I can still contribute to to my country. So I think that's that's a great thing of this globalized, right, uh, very <laughs> technology technology world uh, where I can still support and I can still. 
uh, I can still kind of live in between places because uh, that happens. I, you know, I still do some work uh, in Mexico and I do some work in Ecuador. So I, I'm able to be here in my house and in, in Texas and be in the Mexican like work environment in the morning and then join a U.S. <laughs> meeting in the afternoon. So I'm able to to go back and forth, which can be very exhausting too. But it's also but it's also very fun and. And I'm glad that I get to experience that. I would love to know more about what you're doing here in the U.S., but then also what you're doing to promote it externally um, outside of the U.S. Yes, that has been a lot of steps uh, with uh, like doing that, um, but it's been fun. In the U.S., I'm like thankfully very well connected to to Latinx writers in the U.S. who have been like great at connecting me with other young uh, young writers, or where we get to you know share, and yeah, in spaces where where there the maybe younger immigrant students who are hoping to also write here in Texas. You know, I've been I still collaborate with like the city of Dallas with the Office of Cultural Affairs, so I lead poetry workshops. So if I ever lead a poetry workshop, I will usually start sharing some of my poems and I always share the idea of you know writing the book that I that I hope that I wanted to see when I was growing up because I think just the opening the door to the idea of being able to write a book uh, it's it's big for for a lot of those students I know it was for me growing up so I share that we also I do I work with other like organizations where we lead assemblies for students and we do that for middle schoolers, high schoolers. So I will always try to share as well and, you know, donate some books when I can for those young students that will will usually come up to me at the end of the, of the meeting or at the end of the assembly and they want to talk about it or they connected with a poem. So that's always very nice because also when you read a poem or what whether I'm in, in a school setting or I'm in another social, you know, out of school place, students will connect with very different poems and they will interpret them in a very different way, which is why I think poetry is so beautiful. So uh, connecting through that, you know, I love it. And in Mexico, yes, I've read with some uh, like high school, high school, uh, high schools there in Juarez. Uh, so for them and usually for girls, so that's been really nice. I'm hoping, I'm trying, my next step is to really try to get books to donate to those schools, specifically in Juarez first, because they share a lot of the experiences that I share. And this is, this. Well, I mean, this is not a secret. It will come out soon in the state. Uh, but this, my home state is really pushing for bilingualism now, uh, especially next year. They will bring a new initiative for the whole state. So I'm really trying to, hopefully incorporate that into their curriculum in the book because it's bilingual, but it's also, uh, you know, uh, for poetry for me, I know many people are looking for uh, very complicated words. And, but for me, poetry is really not like that. I, I enjoy poetry that I can connect, that I can understand that I can, uh, you know, and because poetry, I don't think it should be only for one certain group of people. It should be for everyone. So this this book, I wrote it thinking about young students and words that could connect with them that would be age appropriate. So hoping to to move that. And in Ecuador, I haven't been able to really share it with students. I've shared it with other educators who are very, very supportive. But yes, I would definitely love to to share it with more 
Latin American countries and especially with uh, with women in more of, you know, the feminist coalitions or gender equity advocates. Awesome. I'm so excited to hear that. And um, we're looking forward to the next episode with you, um, which will be coming up soon. We're very excited to share these. Thank you so much for your time today, Alejandra, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for having me and we'll talk very soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for more episodes of Wellness for Educators podcast.